you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host. Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Are you ready for the roller coaster of the whatever this is, the podcast, the Chris Voss Show podcast.com? Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> make sure your hands, arms, and legs are, uh, are, are securely in your seat. Otherwise, you might hurt yourself. We don't want to hurt, have you hurt yourself. Otherwise, those FAA uh, uh, flight attendants will come down the thing and they'll slap you silly and then have you dragged off the plane. But it isn't that kind of a show. So anyway, <laughs> as always, we certainly appreciate you guys being on the show. We have an amazing debut author on the show. He's going to be uh, talking, telling us about his new book coming out December 6, 2022. And the beautiful part about this is if you started seeing the Black Friday sales uh, for that great Christmas gift you can get to people, this makes a great Christmas gift. So you want to take and uh, purchase this thing, uh, get it pre-ordered when you can. Of course, you always want to pre-order books when they come out because you know what the nice thing is? You get that baby in the mail, and then you get bragging rights in your book club to say, hey, I'm the first one to read it. I got it before you guys. <laughs> you know, you always want to be the one who reads the hot book first because you can say, like, I was the first one, and uh, and it, it helped get hot for me. So you want to check this book out. Uh, we'll be talking to him here in a few uh, seconds. But in the meantime, you know the drill. Refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Go give us those lovely uh, reviews on iTunes. Somebody just put up two the other day. Two people just put up one each uh, the other day, and they were beautiful, and they made me cry. And if you want to make Chris Foss tear up, just feel loved, please go <laughs> put a five-star review on iTunes. We certainly appreciate you. Go to goodreads.com for says Chris Foss, youtube.com for says Chris Foss, LinkedIn, see the big LinkedIn group, 130,000 people, all the LinkedIn places we have, all the Internet. It's crazy where we are. We're just everywhere except for Snapchat. No, we won't DMU uh, the Chris Foss show pictures. That's not going to happen, folks. That's not this kind of show. That's on. That's I think that's on an OF uh, channel, but we don't have a channel there. So na 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 na. There you go. Anyway, guys, he's the amazing author of the new book that's coming out uh, December sixth, twenty twenty two. It's a novel called Manifest Destiny, and it's by Zach Daniel. Zachary Daniel's on the show. Zach, are we going with Zach Daniel or Zachary? You know. Z- Zach is less syllables, so we can go with that. It's easier to, easier okay. to say. We just want uh, people give people those search terms to look yeah, for. Zach, on Zachary, yeah, if you want to search it, Google Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Zachary Daniel. There you go. So, so the book's under Zach Daniel. Zachary Daniel is a Midwest native. He graduated with a degree in nuclear medicine. Wow. Before pursuing his passion in finance. Wow. It's, we'll have to find out what happened there. Starting <laughs> yeah, his own firm. Digital Edge Wealth Management, he is now a registered investment advisor, leading a new way given his expertise in Bitcoin. He recently came out with his debut fiction novel, Manifest Destiny. He's a man of simple taste, beer, book, and Bitcoin. That sounds like a slogan there. Yeah. Beer, bi- <laughs> beer, book, and Bitcoin. Uh, many of, of the kind of a mouthful. There you go. So welcome to the show, Zachary. You've been here all along, but uh, welcome to the show. We certainly appreciate coming by. 
Yeah, well, thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me very much. And, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing you cry, so I might have to leave a really glowing review. Please do. Please do. <laughs> just, I, just for I'm going to start reading them on the show. I've been meaning to read them <laughs> on the show, and I always forget. And I start the show, and I'm like, damn, I was going to read you know, read one on the show. And uh, there might be some crying there, but I, yeah. then I don't have the tissue box. So, you know, <laughs> whatever. But, uh, yeah, I mean – I, it makes me feel special. I get a little tingly inside and my eyes water a little bit. I, and I'm like, if people love me, yeah. if they love me, they really do. Uh, which uh, is different than my mom, who just uses my <laughs> name as the four-letter word. Anyway, moving on. So congratulations <laughs> on the new book. Uh, give us any dot-coms you want people to uh, track you down on the interwebs and stalk you. Um, yeah, you can uh, check out my, you know, the book from ZacharyDaniel.com, Zachary-Daniel.com. Otherwise, it's available on all major retailers and if you're looking for that black friday sale on blackstone.com it's 30 percent off so there you go that's that's the one deal yeah it's a debut novel but it's off off on sale on am on blackstone so go check there it you out go. so um, order up the book i mean get one of those it's right now is this is the time of year where i'm always looking for gifts to give people and you know i have a lot of friends that i like to give gifts to but you're not spending like a lot of money on them like a wife or girlfriend so you're, you want kind of like that gimmick sort of thing where you're like, here's something that means something that's really good, but you know, you're not worth spending 50 bucks on. <laughs> yeah, that's a very polite way to put it. <laughs> uh, my, I have friends uh, right now listening to the show going, is that me? Is he yeah, referring to yeah, me? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> to me? Um, no, or, or, you know, you combine them, you give them like a couple copies of the book to give away to their family and their friends and relatives, and then maybe some roses and I don't know, some, uh, a thing of champagne. So Even you can just stack it. <laughs> Even I think better, that's called yeah. stacking the presents. Is that, I don't know if that's really a term. I'm just making shit up at this point. <laughs> so, uh, let's talk about a few different things. Uh, what motivated you on to write this book? What was the catalyst? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, on, on the bio, I said, uh, I came over, a, over a glass of rum and that is kind of true. I, I did come home, uh, in college actually. And I thought about this idea for a movie mm. kind of, honestly, the, the main character would have been like an Edward Norton looking type. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had this idea for a movie and I'm like, oh, I'm broke. I can't do it. You know, I can't make a movie. I have no expertise there, but I can write a book. And there you go. That's what I did. I All had right. this, I had this idea for a story, a great mystery thriller character driven novel and made it happen after that that was kind of the, the catalyst and then i spent probably oh oof, six years on this six seven years six years writing it wow yes there i spent go. a lot of time and a lot of thought and so uh and, yeah end product and um no it's very i'm very excited to get it out and you know getting you're right getting that feedback from people it, it is uh it is very warming <laughs> it's tingling. yeah it is it's i mean <laughs> Did you did you run it through the editor yet? Sometimes the editors are mean to you, though. Yeah, yeah, I I ran it through a couple editors, uh, and and the first editor beat me up pretty good. And yeah, they're, um, they're good at that. Um, they I'll tear out you your that, soul and they stomp they, on it a few times. Do. Um, no one was a harder editor than I the, when I did my first draft. And I sent it to my dad. He got through four chapters and he said, "Nope, <laughs> 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 this needs more work. This isn't for me." Um, there you go. But that was obviously probably year one, so it's had a lot of work since then. <laughs> yeah, six years, man. You've been putting in the time and effort and stuff. So, did you did you write when you were younger? Is this did you just boom? This just became your thing, or uh, um, was there a, it, was there a kind of lead up to it where you're kind of always kind of 
thinking yeah, about and, these sort of things. I, I always been creative. I always have a, kind of had a creative mind and active imagination, but it wasn't, I really didn't get into writing um, until early in college. I was in a, it was, it was a weird class. I was in a creative class, beginning intro to writing class. And it was just me and 16 Chinese exchange students in this one class. So I was the only English, I was only, you know, natively English. And the teacher just made me start liking writing and like taught, you know, just kind of teaching me some fundamentals and mm. kind of seeing that you could bu- really build a whole story and narrative just from, you know, just of a few words, how kind of powerful they could be. And that was kind of her emphasis. So that really kind of got me thinking about writing in a different way that it was mm-hmm. kind of just a, a different medium um, I hadn't thought before. And so when it came time to have this uh, story in my head, that's, that's kind of what brought it to fruition. But I, before that, I hadn't really been uh, super involved in you know writing or um, I, I kind of like poetry a little bit, but this was, uh, this was definitely a different, a different breed. There you go. There you go. Now you, you've, you've kind of weaved a few different pathways here. Uh, you know, uh, what is nuclear medicine? Is that where I, where I, uh, didn't they used to do that in this, in the, uh, 50s with the, yeah. with the girls who would, uh, you know, lick the paint before they oh, lick the watches? Is that nuclear yes, medicine? The, the radium dials. Yeah. Radium. Yes. No. Um, <laughs> a little bit different. Uh, same, same premise. Nuclear, mm-hmm. you know, nuclear. Is that nuclear. Chernobyl sort of medicine or what's uh, going on there? No, yeah, basically straight from the reactor into your veins, and yeah, you start growing. I grew that third arm. Yeah, Homer Simpson style. No, um, yeah, nuclear medicine is really kind of a niche field of the imaging department. So you know, you got MRI, you got CT. Okay, nuclear medicine is a niche of that. Basically, how I would describe it is CT and MRI. You kind of look at body systems, the bones, the ligaments, the tendons. The structure of the body. Nuclear medicine kind of looks at the function. So we use nuclear isotopes. That's where the nuclear comes from. That, you know, combine it with a pharmaceutical and it goes to different body systems and we can image it that way. So the cameras pick up on the radiation and we're able to able to kind of diagnose from there. So it's kind of like when I go into, you know, I always go in the hospitals. We used to have a courier company that would go to the hospitals to pick up samples and and take them to the labs. Uh, but I, you know, we'd always see, you know, the radiation, Hey, there's radiation in here, you know, radiation going on. Yeah. So stuff like that, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, a lot of, yeah, we ton of different tests, but probably our most popular would be, uh, in nuclear medicine would be like the PET scan for oh, cancer, right. you know? Okay. Uh, so if you have anyone's had a PET scan, that's nuclear medicine. Oh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's really, it's really interesting feel. I, I loved it when I was in it. So. Yeah. So uh, you've also you've done a few things. You started your own company. Uh, what made you decide to start your own business? Um, yeah, I I think I got my first taste for running my own business when I was actually intern in nuclear medicine. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was big into Bitcoin, um, still am, and that mm-hmm. is kind of a subspecialty now. But got really into Bitcoin, started a Bitcoin ATM business with a partner um, out of my public housing. It was, it was, it was quite the time, but um, that really got me my first taste. It was like the kind of freedom and exercise that, uh, you know, running your own business provides, you can really make it your own. Um, 
And, you know, I've always had a, a thing with sometimes authority figures or, uh, you know, rules that don't make sense, but we have to follow. I'm like, why are we doing this? But if you own your own business and the rule doesn't make sense, you're not following it because it, it doesn't make good business. Yeah, you just change it. Yeah. yeah that, you that's just change the, it. Yeah. See, yeah, I'm like sure me. you know, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, I, you're I, can't. I do not work well with others. Yeah. I have issues. So, you know, I started my first company. I was 18 and back and, and yeah, I, I can. I, I could never work in a corporate environment. I think when I was younger, I did some stints in some corporate environments to help finish off my CEO training. And, uh, yeah, I learned uh, early on, I learned, uh, that I, I, uh, you work at places and you're like, this is dumb. What we're doing is dumb. You guys are doing yeah. dumb stuff. This doesn't, <laughs> this is dumb. And, you know, and they would be like, they'd be like, shut up. I remember my one, one company I, I worked for that was a, a car dealership. They go, they go, uh, yeah, well, the owner spent $2 million to build this company. So why don't you take your little idea there and uh, go get $2 million and go do whatever the hell you want. And that, uh, that probably was an important thing to say to me at the time, because I was like, yeah, that's probably what I should do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so uh, they probably thought you, you they'd say that and you just fall in line like, yeah, okay, I guess. So let's touch on what you do for clients, and I want to come back and tie this into the book. Uh, what do you yeah. do for your clients, and and how does that work uh, in the in the crypto thing and uh, being an investment advisor and and yeah. with a specialty in digital currency? Yeah, it's almost uh, ironic, right? Investment traditional investment advising, and then Bitcoin or or digital currencies. I would say nuclear ironic. See nuclear <laughs> iron radioactive. I don't know. That doesn't work. <laughs> You tried. You tried. This, is, this is why you went to college for nuclear stuff, and I went to public school. Uh, <laughs> hey, don't knock public public school. I love public school. It's kind of a joke we do around here. I don't know. Uh, um, but yeah, no. Uh, uh, so what I do for clients is, you know, I'm a traditional investment advisor, uh, so managing investments for people. But my specialty is in digital currencies or or assets. So uh, I kind of have a niche field of. You know, developing portfolios that have exposure to the digital currency space, either indirectly or directly, and and kind of trying to build a kind of high growth long term model um, mm-hmm. for clients uh, based on their needs. And so, um, I would say my my practice niche is you know people have their four hundred one k generally, and I, I do have you know some four hundred one ks under me uh, for their general retirement, but most people have their four hundred one ks or their employee pension plans, but this is a, a kind of different subset of investing for a kind of little extra exposure. And, you know, I kind of came to this because I've, I've always loved investing in finance. That was what I spent my time and hobbies on and, uh, you know, eventually obviously became my career. But, uh, you know, I've taught about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency uh, and investing. I've done classes and um, workshops on it, but and even I've even given people some, but it never seems to, to work out. You know, the market's volatile. People get emotional. There's a lot of misinformation <laughs> and scams, as as has been recently. You know, FTX. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that uh, in yeah. a second. Yeah, that was that was a, this has been an interesting couple of weeks. But bottom line is, there's there's a lot. This t- space is tough, and mm-hmm. it's just easier to. Be like, you know what? I want to get exposure. I think this is the future. I don't know what to trust, but here, let me, you know, talk to someone who's been in it for seven years and uh, and lives it, and then I don't have to worry about it, right? 
you know, yeah. you're exposed to it and you know, I'm, I'm taking care of it. Uh, so you don't have to worry well, about that's why you, that's why you want an advisor. You know, any yeah. sort of investing is hard. I've done day trading at Nasdaq level two back in the day. I, I was day trading during the dot com era. Um, you know, you, you pull in $50,000 in 20 minutes and then go lose it again in another 20 minutes. Um, you know, casino was, on steroids. Yeah, it was casino on steroids back then. Um, I mean, if you played it right, I mean, you literally just anything that would launch, I think I made 50 to 50 grand off of Earthlink, you know, but uh, I, I was a pretty good player. I, I trained to be a stock market when I was in, uh, I think 20 and, uh, I've been studying wall street for a long time. So I, I kind of knew the play. But it was it was a crazy business. I think most I ever lost, and I never lost fifty grand in one deal. But I think twenty was the most I lost. But I, I think it was it was on something where I had made twenty and lost it, so I, I kind of came out even. Uh, but I never took any brutal losses. Um, uh, and then I was smart enough to recognize what a recession was. I own a mortgage company, so I was smart enough to recognize uh, what the Fed was doing in recessionary times. So when the dot com boom went bust. I recognized the top of the market pulled out and, uh, watched everyone else <laughs> held down. And I just sat there with my cash going, yes, I got that thing. I yeah. milked it and got out, but no, it's, it's stressful. Kind of, kind, of, kind of that meme where uh, he's sitting at the coffee table, sipping his coffee and there's just fire around him. Right. Yeah. Just fire. And you're like, <laughs> just, this is fine. This is fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, I would call people up and I'd be like, are you still in the market? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to write it down. You know, they're trying to do what people were doing on crypto recently where they're trying to, you know, they bought at 60 at the top of the market and they've been trying to buy the ride down, which is normally what you do with stocks that have value. But, um, you hope that there's a buy down bounce, but by buying it down, you, you know, whatever. It's a yeah, dollar cost so, average down. Yeah, but you need, you need advisors, you need help, you need mm-hmm. guidance because, it, it, it is an emotional thing. I mean, when you see your, your money or your investments or something going down, even just like if it's a tick for a day, like down one or 50.5, <laughs> you know, you're like, uh, hey, where are we going? You know, you never know if you're going to curve up or down. Yeah. You know, I come, I come back from the stock market days where you, you didn't have the internet. You, you'd literally pay to have this paper thing magazine delivered to you with 5,000 <laughs> charts in it. It was expensive as hell. That's why that's wild. <laughs> yeah. And by the time you got them, it was already, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's like two or three days outdated and you know, you got different trend lines going, but that was crazy days. So, um, what, uh, let me ask you this cause I want to pull back to the book a little bit. We're going to weave in and out. So, uh, did any of this sort of experience that you've been going through where you nuclear and then you went to, uh, finance, uh, did any of this play into the book? Is any of the plot in the book or did it contribute in the book in any way? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Well, the book takes place in the 90s, mid 90s. So before, unfortunately, before Bitcoin and crypto, so I can't do any self insert there. Um, (laughs) But I would say that uh, kind of my general creativity and uh, my general creativity and, you know, the way I think about things in a a manner does shine through in the book. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it is very you know, fictional self-contained story. So I would say there's some elements of my medical background that I use, not nuclear medicine specifically, but just uh, some medical or, you know, the way hospital or, you know, nursing home procedures go. But uh, in general, there's not not too much crossover um, between the nuclear medicine, the finance, the book. 
There you go. There you go. Uh, so, uh, uh, what, what, uh, who are some of the characters in the book and what are some of the, uh, plots? Uh, you know, you can't give us too much, of course, with the novel. Yeah, yeah. What are some of the, the, anything you tease out on the book that we can get to know about? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would say, you know, the general plot, the main character, Nick, that's no spoiler or anything. Uh, you know, his father was, was everything to him as a kid. Um, his idol, you know, you know, looked up to him, wanted to be him. And his father was murdered in an apparent robbery. Um, this left, obviously, you know, him pretty, pretty traumatized, and it kind of carried into his future. And fast forward to present day, and it's basically, you know, Nick's trying to figure out with his friend Chris, who's a, a police officer, you know, uncover the murder to kind of put this all to rest, to kind of get some closure from the whole from the whole ordeal. And in, in the '90s was when DNA came out, so. You know, now they have DNA technology that they can use um, to try to break open the case. But during that whole process of, you know, trying to figure that mystery out, uh, Nick's having a kind of a character journey through uh, kind of rediscovering his family and uh, improving his life and moving on from the past. And he has uh, some demons. We'll just call them demons that uh, that come into play uh, quite a bit during the story. So, um uh, yeah, it's uh, it's quite the quite the character journey, and uh, definitely has some 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 twists and turns during it. You know, what you could put in the book is uh, is uh, uh, somebody so somebody's going to invent this crypto thing, and everyone should buy it. <laughs> <laughs> like a, a paradigm shift. Yeah, there's a, there's going to yeah. be a paradigm shift in, mon- in the in the money supply, the monetary policy. Yeah. <laughs> Foreshadowing. And then in the second book, you can do uh, Bitcoin or something. I don't know. Yeah, there'll be a sequel. Yeah, <laughs> you always got to plan these things out. You always got to plan the sequel. Evidently, at least yeah. that's the way it works in movies and stuff. So uh, this is pretty interesting. I, Was there some people that you had in mind? Uh, some there's very few people that write with uh, like some Hollywood actors in mind. Like uh, this person would play great in the thing. Uh, sometimes they pick characters from their lives or relatives or something or people they hate. They want to get back at the <laughs> murder victim. Uh, anybody you, uh, <laughs> you that's a good question. You know, I, well, I, you know, I don't want to say anything. I might not have uh, ah! a couple friends. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you no. kill me in your book? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, you know, I can't, I can't do spoilers, but there is, Someone in particular, they know who oh. they're watching. They know they're watching. Oh, um, and then w- they read the book, and they're going to be like, "You killed me." You killed and, me. I, is there like some deep seated hatred? No. It, what did no. I do to you? Yeah. <laughs> um, Remember that time you gave I've me a been nice. books for Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> Those Black Friday books you got on sale. Yeah. <laughs> you bought me five of that that one guy, that new debut novelist. I'll never uh, forgive you. I'm just kidding. yeah. So um, call back, John. Yeah, there's there's no uh, there's no references to anyone in particular in my life. No characters okay. based on, on anyone. Uh, you know, it's a conglomeration of my imagination. People, obviously, people influence it around me. But uh, and as far as Hollywood actors, like I said, I I kind of when I made the story, I pictured Edward Norton playing the main character. Oh, really? Uh, if that was you know that that was kind of the who I vision playing the main character so if that leaves yeah. any impression for your audience but there you go uh i mean he's a great actor yeah i think i saw his big debut i mean he'd been uh, i think in a few f- films 
but I primal fear, I think it was called. Mm. And, uh, I just about crap my pants at the ending of that movie. I've seen it about three or four times and every time it just gives me the chills. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's good. And, uh, yeah. I've liked everything that he's, he's ever been in. So, Oh yeah. And then fight club. Oh my God. Fight club. Oh, what a, what a movie. Fight club is one of my favorite top movies of all time. And, uh, just, just crazy. Um, the um, just crazy the concept behind it and stuff. So uh, nothing really tied into Bitcoin. Uh, any nuclear stuff in the book? I guess no, that you're nuclear. No, no, no nuclear, no Bitcoin. Uh, you know that's a that's a big part of my you know big part of my life, but uh, not not in the book. Not in the book. Kept it all self contained. So, so g- give us an overview of the book. Uh, what's happening in the book generally? Just kind of give us a kind of a uh, thirty thousand foot view. Generally, I would say, uh, you know, the book, the underlying plot is finding his father, you know, finding his father's murder. And he goes on a a series of steps to find that with his best friend, who's a a law enforcement officer. Um, And the beginning of the book, I would say, has a lot more flashbacks and uh, kind of a little bit of darker tone. Um, A lot because, you know, the main characters living in the past kind of held on to this grief and anger. um, Mm from his father being, you know, taken from him. And then, you know, he's, he starts to move on. So middle of the middle to the, towards the end of the book, um, you know, he starts to move on from that, you know, reconnecting with the family, um, kind of improving his life, uh, viewing past events a little differently than maybe they would have happened. Uh, and, you know, there's adventures along the way. Um, but, and then at, at the end, I, you know, obviously you don't spoil the ending before the book, but yeah. there, a lot comes together and, uh, I guess it was, uh, you know, like the title of the book, "The Manifest Destiny." Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a it's a play on the uh, old in, the old uh, was a historical term about how the you know U.S. colonists were gonna you know go from the East Coast to the West Coast, nothing could stop them. It was our manifest uh, destiny. Uh. So that's kind of a play on what the main characters experience. Mm-hmm. Now that was a question I had for you: is why you picked that title and, yes. and uh, what sort of meaning it had. Yeah, so did that, yeah. Did that have yeah, any personal resonance with you? Uh, that whole manifest destiny thing, or um, did it just it with how you wrote the book, and I, I think it just fit with how I wrote the book and and how I how I wrote the character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the old historical term was the colonists couldn't get how or weren't be able to be held by the Mississippi River. Basically, mm-hmm. there was the manifest destiny that we were going to go past the Mississippi River and it's going to. Mm-hmm break open and go to the West coast. Well, that's much the same with the main character as far as his grief and anger and holding on to the past, you know, it can't be held back. And uh, so that's, that was the kind of play there. And it was just a little bit ironic because if anyone knows me, I have, I have no harbor of, uh, you know, this past or anger, or uh, angry person, grief, anything like that. So uh, I, it was kind of, it was at some points I really had to get in the character <laughs> just oh, yeah. to write, just to write certain sections. Um, mm-hmm. Because generally that's, that's an antithesis to, to kind of who I am. So there were points where I, I had to get, you know, a little in character and um, you know, maybe a little booze was inspired in that, the uh-huh. really hone in on you know what this character was feeling. So there you go. Yeah, it, was now, a fun, you- it was a fun process. Would you call it a, uh, well, you know, I mean, Hemingway used to, what was the old line from Hemingway? Write drunk and edit sober. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, there, there was some. There was a lot of nights of that. I, yeah, it's, I, I've done that before. Um, and uh, you know, it was interesting. One time we went to Hemingway's grave in uh, Jackson Hole, and uh, we went to visit his grave, and we pulled up, and someone had a shotgun shell sitting at the base of his grave. <laughs> it was very macabre. We were like, "Wow, okay, we're not going up to his house now." Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's like too weird. But so, would you build this as a suspense, as a thriller, as a mystery? Yeah, yeah you know, under the broad sense of mystery thriller, but you know, psychological thriller, um, very character driven. Um, su- su- suspense, especially mm-hmm. especially towards the end. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the broad uh, broad umbrella I put on. Any uh, any plot twists or M Night Shyamalan stuff going on there? Yeah, there's some there's some plot twists and um, and you know what there's 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 a lot of layers to the story. So uh, the kind of deeper you read on it, the more you're going to understand uh, about the dynamics, and you might be able to predict uh, you know some of the plot twists and figure out exactly kind of what the what the whole dynamic was that spurred this. So how deep it goes. Cause at the surface level, I think it's a great read. Um, but the deeper you go, I think the more layers, more layers you get into it. There you go. There you go. That's always good to, that's always good to have. Cause, uh, you know, people love novels, man. They love, we have a lot of novels on the show and people love novelists. They love, uh, they love the whole aspect of adventure thrillers. People just love, you know, they just love that stuff. That's, uh, it's something, uh, people love and they eat it up. In fact, I almost, you know, I wrote a business book and I've almost, you know, I've seen all the novels that we have on the show and they, they come back all the time. I think we had some novels on about four or five times now for their books. They're really prolific. They write like every four months. And I don't know. I don't know how I, that, that's a skill uh, that I, Oh yeah. I got, I got people that come on the show. They got like 50, 60 books and they've come back a bunch of times and, mm-hmm. and I'm just like 50 or 60 books. I, you know, it took me 53 years to write my first one. Um, <laughs> it's probably going to take, uh, you know, the next one will be out in 106, I guess, is how it works for me. <laughs> yeah, you'll be on your deathbed and, and publishing your, your last book. But Oh, yeah, totally. I'll be, that'll probably be like, that'll be my last book that I'll publish, and I'll just be like, screw you people, I'm out. Yeah. Elvis, you <laughs> left the building. Mike I hated you all the whole time or something. I don't know. It'll just be something that's aggressive, maybe. I don't yeah. Know. Uh, yeah, beacons of, beacons of leadership, right? Beacons of leadership. Yeah. It'll be I, my second book. Will be like ah, whatever. Just I'm out. I'm yeah, dead. I'm, I'm dead. Yeah, I'm gone. I I, uh, I like only half of you people. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not the half you think. <laughs> yeah, it's not the half you think. It's yeah, I like that. That, um, that could be like a title for a book, or you know, I don't ooh, know that a lot. that sequel. It's, it's, it's not the half you think. There yeah. you go. Yeah, you Only like half of you. It's not the half you think. <laughs> That's pretty good trade, trademark. Copyright trademark. There you go. I mean, there's the there's the byline for it, right? Uh, John, you know, what 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 happens when you find out that you're not the half that someone likes? Or something. I don't know. <laughs> some sort of plot yeah. twist there. Yeah, I so, did like uh, your uh, I did like your section in the in the book about especially about the nine the nine dots nine dots. Oh yeah, model. isn't that yeah. a great thing? I, I thought it resonated really well. Just I, I mean, being in the crypto and Bitcoin space originally, it, starting a business in there is like you know, there is no there is no 
guidelines and any box you try to fit them in, you're, you're going to have to go out outside. Yeah. It's, you know, there's so many social norms when you're born, you come in this world and it, it does that. So I'm glad you like that part. I mean, you actually read the book. That's what's amazing. So many people buy it and I'll be like, you read that thing yet? I'm like, I'm getting to it. I'm the same way too. It's yeah. my friends it, will send me their books. <laughs> if you read every book that your, your friend or guest sends you, <laughs> you, you might not be able to, to do anything. Plus, yeah. Plus we do two shows a day and I'm like, I, I can't read everything. And, and, um, but so let's get back to, let's go back to your business and what you do for advising and, and counseling and stuff. Um, do you want to talk anything about what you think about the FTA right now? For those of you who might be watching this 10 years from now, uh, the FTX <laughs> meltdown just happened where like, I guess $30 billion just went into poof land. Yeah. Just. Complete, uh, what's your, yeah. You want to comment on that at all, or to give some of your thoughts? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, this is the uh, you know, probably the hardest, craziest couple of weeks I've ever had in the space, and that spans mm-hmm. you know six, seven years. So all the way back, you know, people remember last big boom and bust. Bitcoin went from twenty thousand to three thousand. The whole world was falling apart. Um, this is, I think, this last FTX thing was the biggest probably since Mt. Gox. Yeah. Um, just all the way back in 2014. I when, remember like, that. 50% of the Bitcoin was hacked from Mt. Gox, and it was Bitcoin's price went from like a thousand to like a hundred dollars. But anyway, um, I, I it's just you know, it's there's you get so resilient in this industry because it, it's just crazy. Um, but I would say the the kind of breach of trust and the kind of setting back from the public narrative, um, mm-hmm. that this caused is 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 massive. Um, you know, I you know, a lot of crypto platforms have failed this year and some of them were just flat out frauds. Uh, and, and this is the biggest of all. Um, but what made it so much worse is there weren't as many warning signs quite before. I mean, there's always warning signs, but they weren't as evident as some of the other platforms that went down where it was like, you know, you could check their balance sheets or their loan book or, um, you know, their leaks or their public persona. Like everything was kind of leading up to this FTX uh, the kind of way it was ingrained in the regulatory space and with celebrities and endorsements um, and also the huge capital that was behind it. Uh, people might not know, but there were huge um, venture capital firms from Silicon Valley invested yeah, in Silicon this company. Valley was into it, yeah. A1Z, um, Sequoia Capital, um, pension funds. A, Sequoia I mean, took a huge hit. Crazy. Um, and it, to see when this had collapsed and to see that there was no board meetings, due diligence, and anything. Like, I mean, this is the political donations. Everything is just, I think the fallout from this will kind of scar the overall crypto industry for yeah. a long time. Um, and, you know, it kind of serves as a separation between, you know, I kind of like to think of separation between Bitcoin and the rest of the crypto industry. Um, you know, I, there are Bitcoin as a technology and a medium of exchange and a monetary unit is different than, you know, exchanges or the crypto industry at large that, you know, in this case perpetrated that fraud, uh, FTX. Um, but it is, it is a crazy time and it's tough to know who to trust and, uh, how to keep your, how to keep your assets safe when, you know, the platforms are just going down and you're like, well, now, now I'm out of, you know, whatever I stored on there. It's, uh, it's, it's rather crazy. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of a lot of the fluff seems to be these tokens. Yes, where they were just yeah. making tokens, and then they would fluff them and play games internally with them to puff them up. 
Yeah, and keep a, uh, it's kind of like Enron, basically, or something where they're puffing up shell companies. <laughs> you know that, that, and then cross collateralizing and taking yeah. out loans against the value of those uh, puffed yeah. up pieces. Um, yeah, that's something that's been happening in the in the crypto space for a long time with with all all crypto projects in general that are not yeah. Bitcoin. Um, is you keep a low float, so come out with a token with five billion tokens. Um, you keep, you know. Four billion five hundred million locked up either um, from founders funds or VC firms or you know keep it on exchanges but kind of don't let it to be don't you know don't let it be sold and then you just leak out just a little bit you get the hype train going you know you get some uh, influencers on YouTube to say look at this next coin is gonna uh, you know change how the power grids distributed throughout the United States and all of a sudden you got um, plebs with their retail money uh, you know throwing a hundred dollars at this thing it's gonna go to two million. But that's just enough to get that token move from, you know, 10%, 50%, 100%. And then the feedback loop starts kicking in. Um, whoever owns most of the tokens of the exchange or project starts to leak out just a little bit, not to, not to mess up the price too much. And, you know, eventually, obviously, that equilibrium fails because there's nothing really behind the project. And push. Um, and this is just kind of been an uh, unfortunate factor of the space for, you know, ever since I've been a part of it. So this isn't, it isn't new. It's always repackaged something differently. Um, this time, I think it was more the, the, the DeFi and the NFT train that drove mm -hmm. it. Uh, last mm -hmm. time it was the ICO and uh, initial coin offering. Um, not to say that the NFT space uh, doesn't have a future. I think there, I think, you know, 99% of it is, is garbage or is going to go to zero. But I think there there is something there with NFTs, um, and I do see some actual use cases for it. Yeah. Now yeah. now and down the road. So. Yeah. And so, I mean, Bitcoin has, has always seemed to be like the Cadillac of Rolls-Royce of all the other stuff that's out there. And it seems to be the most, I don't know if most stable might be the right word lately, but it, it takes hits when it does. Uh, you know, everything else fails in the marketplace of crypto and NFT. But, you know, the one thing I learned a long time ago, and this is from being training to be a stockbroker, is you don't want to be buying when everyone's buying. You don't want to be selling when everyone's selling. Uh -huh. You actually want to buy, on, when the, you know, there, when there's opportunities in the market. And so whatever the news is of the day, you know, Russia does this or, you know, war, you know, Fed interest rates, whatever the thing is, stocks go up and down, whether it's Bitcoin or stocks trading, and you're looking for opportunities. And you never want to buy high and sell low. You want to buy low and sell high. Uh, yeah. So you're looking for opportunities. You know, there's there's people that. Uh, you know, they made a lot of money when Black Friday happened uh, with the crash of the stock market. Yeah. And, uh, and or was it Black Monday? Anyway, Black Monday. Those, yeah, Black Monday. And uh, uh, and they bought, they, they basically waited for the bottom to hit, and they bought at the bottom and figured, hey, it's got to bounce, and it bounced. So, you know, there's going to be a time where, where crypto is going to go back up again and people are going to have faith in it again. Might be a little bit of crypto winner. Maybe, I don't know, some people talk about that. What do you think about a crypto winner? Yeah, I think it's been a crypto winter here for a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah you, you're exactly right. You know, you, it's easy to say buy low, sell high. But, um, but yeah, this during this time, a lot of people are, are definitely selling mm -hmm. beer. Um, and it, it's interesting. I, I kind of say that people get greediest at the very top of the markets and the very mm -hmm. bottom of the markets. 
the uh-huh. same people that are were screaming at the top, um, you know, you have to buy now because it's going to two hundred thousand. You have to buy now. You have to buy now. You have to buy now. Um, it doesn't say. Doesn't say. You know, this is different than you know. Say it's a uh, Bitcoin's at sixty thousand, and you're like, you know, I really do think Bitcoin's going to be something. You know, continue to grow down the road. I have no exposure to Bitcoin at all. Maybe I should start getting some. That's fine. Get a little bit of exposure, um, just so you're you know have some. But you know, at the bottom, it tends to be the opposite or the same as far as the greed. So it's like, you know, I think Bitcoin's going to be something. I think it's going to stick around and be more valuable down the road. It has useful utility as a technology, but I think it's going to go to twelve thousand or to mm-hmm. you know you know or something lower. And uh, I think that's where people get greedy at the bottom. They're like, oh, it can just get a little lower. I can just get a little bit more. But if they kind of look at, well, what do you think about the long term? Well, is that 5%, is that 10% going to make the difference? Um, you know, or or people, you know, I, I've see, I've just seen it at the tops and bottoms. You know, back in 2017, 2018, Bitcoin was sitting about 4000 for six months. Everyone, a lot of people were saying, well, I'll wait till it goes to 2000 <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, well... What do you think Bitcoin could be in, you know, five years? Well, they're like oh, 30,000, 20,000. It's like, well, mm-hmm. you know, what do you, what do you, so it's always the same. Now that's not to say, now, again, I kind of have to say this as a registered financial advisor. This is not financial advice. <laughs> uh, I, I am not your investment advisor. Um, now, if you would like that, you know, you can contact me outside of this, this medium and we can, uh, we can talk shop, but uh don't take anything that I say here and go trade off. There you go. I was going to make that uh, thing. <laughs> Thank you. Know, how, do, how, do, how do people get in touch with you and and uh, and talk to you about working with you? Yeah, they can uh, you know look me up. Uh, Digital Edge Wealth Management is my firm. Um, you can look me up. You know, make sure I'm legit. You can go on the you know Finra and SEC and look up uh, that I am a registered investment advisor and I'm compliant with uh, you know, all regulators. But, uh, yeah, reach out to me through the website, uh, my phone number. You can probably Google Digital Edge Wealth Management. Uh, and, yeah, we can we can go from there. So. There you go. There you go. So, uh, you know, uh, you're registered and you have oversight as opposed to FTX. <laughs> yes, you're registered and have oversight, and I don't keep clients' funds. Uh, so I, I make sure that I custodian clients' funds with the most trustworthy of uh, kind of fiduciaries and you know not uh, not things are you know just going to collapse or or not and you're not regulated. hiding in the bahamas either so there no no i'm here i'm here in oregon if you <laughs> that's true <laughs> I'm always, here in oregon. Uh, always, uh, i you know that was that would usually be my first tip off what you're operating out of the bahamas uh, I think I see what's going on i'm pretty familiar with what goes on and down there in those in those uh nether regions for for the reason people hide their money down there. I mean, Putin hides his money down there. I mean, if you yeah. ever see the, we've had authors on who, who blew up in the paradise. What was it called? The paradise papers. The, Oh yes. Yes. The, the what you would call it? Uh, was it, was it the paradise papers? I but think those, so. Those or, or papers, the Panama, the Panama, Panama papers. papers there. It Panama is. Papers, yeah. 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 I can't get my references right on a Tuesday. What can I do? Uh, anything more you want to touch on or tease out before we go? No, I mean we we covered we covered a lot of ground here, and yeah, and yeah I appreciate your time. But uh, yeah, definitely the book, uh, passion, and it, it's it's something. But uh, but yeah, so book, you know, cryptocurrency investing, um, 
you know, and I, I want to make the caveat, you know, obviously my specialty is in digital currencies, but I handle all investment types. And, um, you know, so like normal risk, stock market stuff? Yeah, yes, yes. Normal stock market stuff, normal in retirement stuff, Roth IRAs. Uh, so, and okay. it's not, you know, you don't have to be exposed to Bitcoin or cryptocurrency in any, in any necessarily portfolio. It's just that's a subspecialty that I offer that's different than probably at least I've seen any advisor in any of the states I've operated in. So you're an advisor who actually knows how to deal with crypto because I mean, a lot of advisors like really old guys with pocket protectors. Yeah. And, they, uh, they don't know. the Yeah, they don't know the first yeah. thing. And, uh, yeah. and they're uh, working Wall Street and they've got cocaine and uh, and Victoria's Secret models all day long. Yeah, so no, <laughs> no, I've been on the yeah, I've been on the ground floor with, you know, I've done mining and um <laughs> I've done everything, so uh, there you go. You know, there at least go. I know what I'm talking about. Well, Zachary, it's been wonderful you have on the show. Give us your dot com so people can find you on the on the uh, interwebs there. I will. I appreciate you having me. It was awesome. There you go. Throw awesome. me the dot com if you would, please. Uh, so www.digitaledgewealthmanagement. Uh, com, or if you want to look for the book, zachary-daniel.com. There you go. There you go. Otherwise, Google for either will work. So. Google for either. That'll work. Uh, you can get, always got to get the plugs in. Thank you very much, Zachary, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. And, guys, check him out. Uh, order up the book. It makes a fine gift for this holiday season. You always got to have those backup gifts. In fact, you know, one thing I do is I always have, like, spare gifts like this where I buy them, and then that one person you forgot or somebody – like that you normally don't give gifts to, like they show up and they give you a gift and you're like, oh crap, I got nothing. I got nothing. And they just gave me a gift. It's always good to have like a backup gift and you wrap it and you're like, this is for any weird stuff that goes on. And then, you know, somebody shows up and gives you a gift. And you're like, wow, I didn't know you liked me. I've hated you for years. Uh, but then you can be like, hey, I've got this gift. I planned it and everything for you. And you can hand it to him. So brilliant. Uh, go. that's brilliant. See, I think it, this is... <laughs> This is, you gotta that's watch a, that's out. That's a public school. That's a public school. You know, in my world, uh, you think everyone hates you and you hate them, but then sometimes they show up and they go, "Hey, I like you," and you're like, "Really? Okay." <laughs> and uh, then they give you a gift, and you feel like so stupid. I and I think people do that as a passive aggressive thing sometimes too. This is why you gotta watch out for these people. I'm doing some counseling here, so you know what they do is they're like, ha, 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 "I bet he didn't get me a gift." So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be an asshole and I'm going to get him a gift and then make him look bad and give him extreme guilt. <laughs> See how this goes over. But no, as long as you got a backup gift, they're ready to go. Yeah, you like three or five of them, depending upon how big your family is. So order up the book. Order up the book just to read the damn thing and enjoy it, people. But also buy like five copies so you can have that backup gift. <laughs> Whatever we do for comedy on this show, Jesus yeah. Christ. Anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. We certainly love my audience. We love you so much. Go to iTunes and leave some five-star reviews. Make Chris cry. Um, maybe that'll become a segment on the show. Make Chris cry. Make Chris cry. <laughs> that could be a segment at the beginning of the show. I don't know. That's kind of a dark way to start the show. I don't know if it'd be funny or not, but yeah. I don't know. People will be laughing at me crying. What kind of sick audience? Yeah, what kind of sick you? audience? You what kind of sick fucking people are you? Well, you haven't been listening to the show for 13 years. Hey, guys, thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate you. YouTube.com forward says Chris Voss. Uh, Goodreads.com forward says Chris Voss. Um, and uh, what else is there? There's a link, big LinkedIn group and all that stuff. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time.
That's 